Hi there. I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 100. And today I'd like to talk about where I have come from and where I'm going. Yes, a little bit about what I'm doing online, what my plans are for the future. Also, I have some resources to share with you to do with Gilbert and Sullivan. I have a little bit of family news, and I want to talk a little bit about Camp NaNoWriMo. I'm sure a lot of other things will occur to me as I'm talking to you. Yes, this is my 100th episode. That seems rather remarkable to me. I have been podcasting almost three years, so I guess I could have got to episode 100 a lot quicker than I have. I've had some times where I have disappeared for a few weeks. I've had a break. I've lacked inspiration. But I've always picked myself up and kept on going, and I've got to episode 100. And that feels really satisfying. It feels like a big achievement. I guess when I started out, made that very first episode, I never imagined that I would actually make 100 episodes, that I would find enough things to talk about to fill all those episodes. Yes, I've had a few times here and there along the pathway when I have run out of inspiration and I've thought, this is it, I can't think of anything more to say about unschooling. I'm just going to have to give up, go and do something else. But a new idea has always occurred to me eventually, and as I said, I've got going again. And here I am at this milestone. I wonder if you have listened to the very first episode. It's called Podcasting, Blogging, Books and Lice. I don't really advise you listening to it if you haven't already done so. It wasn't really much of an episode. But I guess everybody has to start somewhere. I recorded that episode in one take, which I guess was some kind of achievement, but I used the internal mic of my computer so the sound quality isn't as good as it is now, and I think I said a lot of ums and ahs. That's one thing that I've managed to get mostly under control since I've been podcasting. Because of recording episodes, I am much more conscious of the way I speak. Now that I've got the ums and ahs under control, I just have to worry about my grammar because sometimes grammatical errors occur without me even realizing until I later listen to the file while I'm editing it. By then it's too late to go back and change things. That's the downside of podcasting. What I have recorded is what everybody gets. Blogging is very different. I can change a word here or there. I can even go back to old posts and change whole sentences, delete them, put them back to draft. It's not so easy with podcasting. I guess it's more natural. And also I have found that people are more forgiving. Well, nobody has complained about my blog posts, but certainly nobody has complained about my podcasts. I think that we don't expect people to speak perfectly, especially when they're using a conversational tone when they're not actually giving a speech. Because I don't write down everything that I'm going to say and then read it out word for word. If I did that, I think it would be a whole lot more stilted, though it may sound more coherent. That's why I enjoy reading out the odd blog post every now and then, because the words are already there for me. All I have to do is read them. 
Not that that's easy sometimes either, because I don't really think that I am a good reader out aloud, although my kids never complain. But back to that very first episode. That episode nearly got deleted. I recorded it. I did minimal editing because I didn't really know much about editing in those days. I did actually find a piece of music to put at the beginning and the end of the podcast. And that was it, really. I didn't do any sound uh, enhancement like I do now. I just uploaded it to Podbean, sat back and thought, wow, I've made my very first podcast. I was so excited. I wanted to share it with everybody. So I went round the family. Will you listen to my podcast? And that's when I began to feel embarrassed and was thinking about deleting the episode. But I couldn't do it. And I'm going to just read you a very short blog post about that. I think the idea in it has more to do with unschooling than it does with podcasting. But you will see what I mean. The post is called, Why We Have to Take Risks. Today, I posted my very first podcast. Do you want to listen to my podcast? I ask my girls. They nod, and soon we're sitting around my computer listening to podcasting, blogging, books, and lice. You're using your other people voice, Mum, observes Gemma Rose, not your family one. I think about this. Yes, somehow I don't sound right. Oh my, what will people think? Will I get lots of critical comments? Perhaps I should delete my podcast. But then I look at Sophie. She's smiling. I can't wait to make a podcast of my own, she says. Will you show me what to do? And suddenly, it doesn't matter that my podcast is really quite awful. I know I was right to publish it. Sometimes we have to take a risk, try things out, and not worry what others might say, because there's something far more important than looking good. It's being a good example of learning for our children. I showed Sophie how to download Audacity. She decided what to talk about, and then disappeared into her bedroom to record her conversation. Now we're uploading her file to Podbean. Sophie is almost a podcaster. Today she learned lots of new skills, just like me. So I'm not going to delete my podcast, even though I felt like doing this not so long ago. It's out there on the internet where anyone can listen and comment, and that's okay. Because today, Sophie followed my example. She learnt something new. She's happy. And that's all that matters. I guess if I deleted that podcast, I might not have gone on and made a hundred of them. I might never have been satisfied with what I was producing. The whole process of podcasting has been a great learning experience for me. Unschooling in action. Yeah, parents unschool too. So over the past three years, I have shared lots of different topics. I've shared family stories. I've interviewed my girls and even my husband, Andy. I've shared lots of resources. I've talked about the high days and the low days my worries, my triumphs, my sorrows, my joys, 
I've spoken about every single one of my children, including Thomas, who died, oh, nearly 18 years ago. Yes, there are a few grief stories mingled in with my unschooling ones. I've had three or so different theme tunes for the podcast. Every now and then I feel like a change and I go looking for some new music. It sort of stirs things up. It gets me excited again. As I said, I have reduced my ums and ahs. But also, in the process of doing that, I think that I have slowed down my speech. I think more carefully about what I'm saying, trying to get things out the right way the first time. And I was wondering whether this is a problem, until I realized that everybody can listen to my podcast at one and a half times the normal speed. I do that all the time. I go over to iTunes, I accept my podcast one and a half times, and that's the speed I listen to most podcasts, because most podcasters do talk quite slowly. It also means I get through podcasts in a shorter length of time. I can listen to more of them. Some podcasters I can even listen to at twice the speed, but not that many of them. So maybe that's a tip if you find that my voice is too slow for you. Please don't give up. Just turn up the speed. I listened to my very first podcast the other night. It wasn't a very pleasant experience. I thought that if new listeners listen to this podcast first, before any of the others, will they get turned off? Will they think that I'm not a real podcaster? That my audio quality isn't good enough to listen to? Or are people understanding and do they go on and listen to more? I don't know. All I do know is that a lot of people still are listening to that first one. Perhaps I should have deleted it after all. So what is the future of this podcast? I've been pondering that question. A couple of episodes ago, you might remember that I asked for some feedback about the podcast. Does anybody want to listen past 100 episodes? And last week, I reported that only one person had left me a comment. Fortunately, it was a nice comment. I think it was Jenny's comment. And she said, yes, she certainly would like to listen to more episodes, and she hoped that I'd continue podcasting. Podcasting and blogging can be a very lonely experience sometimes. I guess that is because of the nature of podcasting and blogging. Anybody can create a blog, anybody can start podcasting and upload their files to a host and get on iTunes, which is all really good because everybody has a chance to share their opinions, their experiences, their stories. It's all very exciting. The other side of that is that anybody can listen, anybody can read unless, of course, a podcast or a blog is private, and none of mine are. We can hop all over the internet, listening and reading here and there, and nobody knows where we have been, unless, of course, we stop by and leave a comment. Of course, we are not obliged to do that. That's just the nature of blogging and podcasting. When we put our work up there in public, we do so on the understanding that anybody can come along and read and listen. Nobody has to reveal their presence. But sometimes, as I said, it can feel like a very lonely experience. If I don't get any comments on my blog posts or any feedback on my podcasts, 
I can start to think that there's nobody out there. I'm talking to myself. Of course, I have some wonderful friends who do stop by, especially on Facebook. And if I had a look at my stats, I might find out that there are a lot more people coming to my blog than I realize, except I don't check my stats very often. I don't like to get obsessed with numbers. It's such a competitive world out there. We are all trying to get people to read our posts or listen to our podcasts. And I get overwhelmed by this at times. I don't actually want to persuade people to do things they don't want to do. I don't want to jump up and down and say, Hey, I'm over here. Come over and read my blog posts. They're worth reading. Come over and listen to me. Join in the conversation. I just hope that people find me. I've been around a little while now. I do hope people like what I'm doing and find it helpful. But anyway, back to the lack of feedback. That's why I haven't had much feedback, I'm sure. Maybe people are too busy to hop over to my blog and leave a comment. That's quite okay. The only reason I am talking about this is to tell you how much I did appreciate a few comments that I got last week on Facebook, all to do with this podcast. A few people, Cricket, Vid, Sophie, and Jenny, and Chrissy, I think, all left me beautiful comments. And they were comments I pondered for a few days. Such kind words. Each one of these listeners made me feel very valued, as if I'm doing something worthwhile. So what am I going to do? Well, I would like to continue podcasting if you would like to listen, as long as I can come up with interesting things to share, because I don't really want to fizzle out in a boring kind of way. I want to keep things fresh, even though I am going over and over the same kind of things, the same principles, just sharing different stories to illustrate them. It is very difficult to sit down in front of the mic and record a podcast when I'm not feeling inspired. That's why I have disappeared every now and then over the past three years. Yes, I've got to that point where I say to myself, I've got nothing more to share. I've said it all. And then a few days later, of course, I get another idea. And I'm suddenly off again, excited once more about sharing the unschooling story. I should get used to how this goes. It seems to be a natural process. Even yesterday, I sat down at the mic to record this episode, and I did record one. But my words felt so flat. After an hour, I gave up and I went out to the family room and my girls said, So you've recorded your 100th episode, have you, Mum? And I said, Well, yes, I have, but I'm not happy with it. I just can't think of anything to say. And then I took the dog for a walk and as I was walking along, I just tried to think of things that I could talk about. And you know, the more we think about such things, the less ideas we have. And I knew that I should just think about something else. And then an idea would, would occur to me. Well, I don't know if a good idea has occurred to me, but certainly today I feel more enthusiastic about sitting here talking to you. So this is my 100th episode, and this is the version that I'm going to upload to Podbean later on. You might recall that last week I asked 
if you had any questions for me. I was going to make this episode into a questions and answers episode because I've never done that before. But I didn't get any questions. Except one, the one big question, am I going to continue podcasting? So that's the only one that I can answer today. And as I have said, I would like to continue podcasting as long as I can think of things to say. What will I talk about? Well, yesterday, after I'd made my failed podcast and I told my girls about it, I said, I haven't got anything to talk about. I've said it all. And Gemma Rose very helpfully said, Well, say it all again, Mum. And I said, I can't do that. She said, What did you say in episode four? Repeat whatever you said in episode four. And I repeated, I can't do that. And she said, Nobody will ever know, Mum. Episode four was years ago. It won't matter if you say it all again. And nobody will know, unless, of course, you have listened to every single one of my podcasts. And I know a few people have done that, and I think that they deserve an award. To have travelled all through the past three years' worth of my conversations. Yes, thank you so much for doing that. Episode 4, what was it about? I did go and have a look to see if it could inspire me for an idea for today. It's called Exciting Times, Slow Times and Unschool Holidays. And if I did remake Episode 4, I'm sure that I would do a better job than I did the first time around. Yes, Episode 4, in the early days. Exciting times, slow times. Well, the slow times, I remember talking about how sometimes we just lose our enthusiasm for learning and we start to worry. Usually we worry about our kids losing their enthusiasm for learning, but it does happen to adults as well. We think that they will never get excited about anything ever again. Of course they always do. It's just like podcasting. Yeah, I want to give it up one week. The next week I've got a million ideas about what I want to talk about. It just goes round in circles. Sometimes we need to take a break, let our brains rest, do other things, absorb ideas from other places, and then we get more ideas. And we're off again, as I said. I have an idea. Those are the most frequently said words in our family, I'm sure. Apart, of course, from I love you. We're always saying, I've got an idea. And everybody stops and listens to the latest idea. Some of the ideas we put into action. Sometimes we just investigate them and see whether they're worth putting into action. Sometimes we put them on the back burner for another time because we're too busy to do them. But always it is very exciting contemplating a new idea. Exciting times. I had a new idea the other day. Well, I've had a few of them. I'm going to share a couple of them. But this idea is to do with recording this podcast. I have bought a new mic. I ordered it the other day. We had a gift voucher from a hi-fi store that was given to us just before Christmas. And we've been thinking for a few months what we wanted to spend this money on. I ordered a copy of The Hollow Crown, which is a Shakespeare series a BBC production of some of Shakespeare's history plays. I've spoken about this in previous podcasts, and we're really looking forward to watching this. 
it should be very exciting. But we had some money left over, and we couldn't find any more DVDs that we really want to watch. Well, anyway, not ones from this store. They didn't have the ones that we wanted, but we still had the money to spend. And then I had a brilliant idea. I said to the girls, "I wonder if this store sells mics," and it does. So we actually ordered two mics. One for Sophie's camera. It goes on the top of the camera, the hot shoe mic, so that she has better sound quality when she's doing vlogging,、uh, especially when she's interviewing Imogen for her vlogs. And I ordered a mic, a lapel mic, for my smartphone and an adapter, so I can use it in my portable Zoom audio recorder. I've had this Zoom recorder for a long, long time, and maybe I've used it half a dozen times. So I should make the most of it, and I've been thinking that I might be able to record podcast segments when I'm out and about on the go, do some live recording, and then intermingle them into my regular podcasts. So we'll see if I try that out and whether it works. Exciting times, slow times, and unschool holidays. Unschool holidays. That reminds me that it is almost the school holidays again, and my husband Andy will be home shortly for two weeks. We were quite surprised that it is almost the end of term. I told the girls the other day, and they just couldn't believe it. I had to look it up on the internet. Somehow we've got to the end of the term without realizing it, and this never happened when we were doing structured homeschooling. We were always hanging out for the holidays, and sometimes we gave ourselves extra weeks of holiday because we just couldn't go on any longer. These days we have too many interesting things to think about. What week of the term it is? It doesn't seem to matter. The only difference between term time and holidays is that my husband Andy is home, and yes, he does influence what we do during the holidays. We tend to spend more time with him and sleeping in a bit later, or that type of thing, while he's on holiday. Have a change in our rhythm and routine, which is probably good. Everybody needs a change now and then. Sometimes during the school holidays, we record music videos. And every time we invite my husband Andy to come along with us, we say, "Hey, you're home. You can come with us, and help us out with our music videos." And I'm not sure that he is always excited about this. He always accepts our invitations, but I I don't think he really likes getting up at the crack of dawn. Well, the crack of dawn, well before dawn, and heading out, especially during winter when it's cold. I think he would much rather stay in his warm bed. Music videos. Perhaps now's a good time to tell you about what we were doing this morning, because we did get up early this morning and we did head out somewhere to record a video. We were pleasantly surprised to find out that though it was cold, it wasn't freezing cold. It was quite pleasant out. Well, I guess quite pleasant with quite a few layers of clothing and two pairs of socks and a thick coat. But we have been out there in much colder conditions, very early in the morning before sunrise, so we weren't complaining this morning. This reminds me about the heat wave in Britain at the moment. A lot of my friends are suffering in the heat, in temperatures that wouldn't bother us at all here in Australia. 
And I was saying to my family the other day that if all those friends came over here and came out on a music video shoot with us, they would probably say, you call this cold? This isn't cold at all. You wouldn't survive in our winter. And I think that's perfectly true. It's funny how we get used to our own conditions. We're not very tough in winter, but we can survive the heat, even though probably we complain about that as well. Anyway, we headed out this morning before sunrise to a local nature reserve. We hadn't been to this particular nature reserve oh, since Christmas. My husband Andy and the girls recorded a Christmas carol at the nature reserve for Imogen's YouTube channel. There's a few locations at the nature reserve that we've used, and the one we chose today was on the edge of the river. It was the exact same spot that we recorded Imogen singing Hallelujah. I think that was about a year ago, maybe just over a year ago. And we said, we hope nobody realizes that we've already used this location. And I said, it was so long ago, I'm sure nobody will. And Sophie was thinking about that Hallelujah video, and she said, I hope this video today is a lot better than that one. I hope that I have improved. She said, it would be very sad if I haven't, but I don't think she has anything to worry about. Sophie has learned so much about photography and videography in the past year. It has been wonderful to watch her learning. She is very, very motivated. Yes, she has come a long way in a year. While we were there this morning, as usual, I was the behind-the-scenes photographer. Sophie's our number one photographer, but I have to step in when she's the videographer. She's in charge of the filming of the video, and I just skirt around and take lots of behind-the-scenes shots, trying not to get into her video, because sometimes I do that. I think of a perfect spot to stand in, and then all of a sudden the girls shout out, Mom, you're in the video. You'll need to move. Yes, I'm not very good. I enjoy taking these photos, even though I'm not such a good photographer as Sophie. I would like to be a better photographer. Taking the actual photos, I think I am getting a bit better. But what is holding me up is the editing process. I find it very frustrating. I can never decide if my photos look okay or, or whether I have to do some more adjustments to them. Are they ready to be shared or not? Yes, the perfectionist in me comes out when I'm editing photos. This afternoon I got Sophie to sit next to me after I had had a go at editing some of these photos. I asked her what she thought of them and what I should do to improve them. And she gave me a few extra tips. She was very encouraging about my photos. They're great photos, Mum, but you could if you'd like. And then she gave me some additional uh, hints. And they were all very helpful and I was very thankful for them. And when I finished editing a few of them, I uploaded a couple to Instagram. Yes, I have returned to Instagram. Quite a few months ago, I deactivated my account. I felt that I was doing too much on the internet. I was having to produce content for too many places and it was getting rather overwhelming. So why did I go back to Instagram? Well, there was a good reason for it. Besides missing sharing other people's photos, because I do like looking at other people's photos, especially those of my unschooling friends, the other reason was because I felt my photography wasn't progressing. 
I was sharing my photos in blog posts, but I do like having a collection on Instagram. I can scroll back through them and see if I'm improving or not. Instagram does encourage me to keep working on my photography skills. So I'm back on Instagram, and if you are on Instagram, perhaps we could follow each other. I have something else about Instagram I want to share with you. Yesterday, I created a second account. My main account is Sue Elvis, but I have created an account called Stories of an Unschooling Family. Why did I do that? Well, I've been sharing all my family stories on my Sue Elvis profile, but what I want to do with the other account is share a lot of graphics and a lot of unschooling ideas. And I don't want to do that on my main account. I don't know, I've got this idea that graphics sprinkled in amongst my other photos won't work. I know other people do it, but that account is my account for improving my photography and sharing the best of my photos. The other account I want to use to share unschooling ideas. I've been using Adobe Spark. It's a website where we can make graphics, videos, and web pages. It's free to use, and as we have an Adobe account, we're subscribed to all the Creative Cloud apps, Photoshop, and all the other ones. Because we have that account, we can remove the branding, the Adobe Spark branding. But if you don't have an account and don't mind the branding, you could use Adobe Spark for free as well. It's a wonderful program. I've been using Canva to make graphics, but Adobe Spark is more fun. There are not so many font options, but there are other things. I've been having a great time over there. And because I was making graphics using Adobe Spark, that's what led me to the thought of creating a second Instagram account. I want to take my own words and those of other educators and unschoolers and parents, anybody who has something to say along the unschooling lines, take those words and add them to some of my photos and then share them on my Stories of an Unschooling Family Instagram account. I wonder what you think of that idea. As I was saying to my girls last night, perhaps I can turn my blog into graphics. Yes, I've turned my blog into podcasts, I've turned them into videos, I've turned my blog into Facebook posts. Perhaps I can turn my blog into a series of graphics. Who knows what I'll do in the future? Perhaps I'll turn it into a comic. Wouldn't that be fun? So, if you're on Instagram, please look me up. I'd love to connect with you there. Now, I said I had some resources to share with you at the beginning of this podcast, and they are to do with Gilbert and Sullivan. Gemma Rose has been looking for new things to do, and so I asked the other girls, what have we done in the past that Gemma Rose might like to do? Because sometimes we forget about the things that we have done in the past, and I don't think to offer them to Gemma Rose. And one of the suggestions was Gilbert and Sullivan. We have a number of their operators on DVD. And Jim Rose has already watched a few with the older girls, but that was a long time ago. So I made the suggestion, and we found the DVDs, and yesterday and today we watched The Yeoman of the Guard. 
It's one I hadn't seen before. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, we are Gilbert and Sullivan fans. I once wrote a blog post about this. Perhaps I can share it with you. It's called, I Am a Pirate King. A few years ago, the Dominican nuns from Gen Maine came to our homeschooling camp. They swept in resplendent and imposing in their spotless habits with plans, not only to teach our children the catechism, but also help our teenagers stage a production of Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. Sister Augustine had the scripts and music all arranged. She trimmed down the original production to a manageable level. The children had only four days to learn all the words. Speeches were modified, less important scenes and songs omitted, and a narrator was added so that the action could move from scene to scene without effort. The sisters listened to all the children singing, and, based on their ability and confidence, parts were assigned. Felicity, who is a drama queen, was ideally suited to one of the major comic roles. Duncan, who couldn't sing a tuneful note, was assigned to the chorus, where he could mumble away with the other sailors, without anyone noticing. After a few days of practice, it was time to perform HMS Pinafore, Sister Augustine style. On the last evening of camp, we gathered in front of the stage and took our seats. The lights were lowered, the camcorders whirled into action, and the operetta began. Sister Augustine was rather stressed out by the time of the performance, teaching a group of teenagers all the songs and words, actions and dances to a performable level in only four days was a tall order. Many times Sister must have wondered if her little theatre group would be ready to perform anything worthy of an audience, but she did a marvellous job. The next year the children demanded another Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, This time, Sister Augustine swept into camp with an adapted version of The Gondoliers. Again, parts were assigned. But this time, something different happened. Someone discovered that although Duncan doesn't have a singing voice, he is a fabulous actor. So instead of languishing hidden in the chorus, Duncan was given one of the main roles, the Duke of Plaza Toro. Sister Augustine very cleverly turned his singing role into a speaking part. The last evening of camp arrived all too quickly. Sister Augustine had worked her cast extremely hard. Would they put on another stunning performance? Of course. And the star of the show that year was the Duke of Plaza Toro. I listened to members of the audience. Who is that playing the Duke? He's so good. And he was. With a wig on his head and a cane in his hand, he took control of the stage. He wasn't Duncan. He was the Duke. He was so good no one recognized him as the usually very quiet teenager who never drew attention to himself. After the performance, Duncan was given many congratulations, and he received them all in a manner worthy of a Duke. Later at supper, with his costume removed, Duncan returned to his normal quiet self. You would never have guessed that he'd just been the star of the show. By this time, we were hooked on Gilbert and Sullivan. It had become a family passion. We came home from camp, and we all wanted to see an unabridged version of the operetta. We bought DVDs and CDs of the music from the gondoliers and HMS Pinafore. I borrowed a library book with a libretto, 
Soon the children wanted to try a new Gilbert and Sullivan. We watched The Mikado and then Pirates of Penzance. Again, we bought CDs of the music. We started looking out for different productions of the same operetta. We couldn't get enough of Gilbert and Sullivan. Everyone started to talk Gilbert and Sullivan. Favorite lines were repeated. Stories were retold. The funny bits laughed over again. Songs were sung. Last term, we decided to expand our Gilbert and Sullivan repertoire even further. I ordered a copy of Yolanthi, and we impatiently awaited its arrival. The DVD dropped into our mailbox. Gemma Rose fished it out and came running in, excited. Can we watch Yolanthi, please, Mum? We slipped the disc into the DVD player and took our seats ready to be entertained. Gemma Rose at first was a little frustrated. She couldn't work out what was going on. And I must admit, Gilbert and Sullivan can be a bit confusing to start with. We helped Gemma Rose out by telling her the storyline and explaining the action of different scenes. I found a complete libretto online, which I downloaded to help us. Sometimes the words of the songs are sung so quickly, we can't always understand them either. But with repeated listenings and a look at the words, they soon became familiar and enjoyable, and everyone is eager to sing along. I am a pirate king, I am a pirate king, I am a pirate king, sings Gemma Rose loudly in the garden as she plays. Please, someone, teach Gemma Rose some more of the words to that song. She's driving me crazy. The other day I bought something absolutely wonderful, an 11-DVD set of Gilbert and Sullivan's operettas. Everyone oohed and ahed, most appreciatively, when they saw the box set. They gathered around as we tried to decide which operetta to sample next. Sophie's choice won out, Princess Ida. Already Imogen, Charlotte and I have been on the internet doing some research. Princess Ida is based on an earlier operetta called The Princess. Gilbert used Alfred Law Tennyson's poem, The Princess, for inspiration. Of course, we had to look up the Tennyson poem, which we discovered is very long, but interesting too. What should we do today? Can we watch Princess Ida? Imogen slips the DVD into the player as we settle ourselves on the sofa. We await the opening music. Guess what we'll be singing for the next month. At the end of that blog post, there are a few resources. I did list the box sets that we have bought, but I discovered that there are quite a number of Gilbert and Sullivan operettas on YouTube. We can watch them for free. For example, I looked at the Yeoman of the Guard today, and there are at least two versions of that one. I found the old link very handy, though, because I used it to find my way back to that website that has the summaries of the operettas, the words and the music, because we can then follow along with them. Though the Yeoman of the Guard, we didn't have much trouble following that one, Gemma Rosanae. We understood it quite well. It's described as the most dark of Gilbert and Sullivan's operettas. Yes, it was very funny, but it had rather a sad ending. It reminded me a bit of Twelfth Night. All the main characters go away singing and they're very, very happy. Somebody is left behind who is not so happy. So if you are looking for something new to explore and you haven't looked at Gilbert and Sullivan yet, 
Maybe that's an area that you can investigate. Perhaps you'll soon be singing along to all the songs as well. Now there is only one more thing I want to talk about today, and that is Camp Nano Rimo, Camp National Novel Writing Month. That happens for the whole of July. It's a sister event to Nano Rimo, which occurs in November. Camp Nano Rimo is more flexible than Nano Rimo. During November, everybody has to write at least fifty thousand words. A novel of fifty thousand words—that's the goal for everybody. But for Camp Nanorimo, everybody can set their own word goals. They also have more choice about what they can write. My girls usually work on novels the same as they do during November, except this time Jim Rose is not going to write a new novel. She is actually going to rewrite her last Nanorimo novel. She's had some more ideas about it. She wants to make improvements to it. So I guess she is editing. She's writing the second draft of her novel. I'm not sure what the other girls are doing. The big news is that I'm going to do Camp Nanorimo for the very first time. I have done Nanorimo three times and written three novels. Two of them I have edited and actually published. They're my angels' children's novels. And the third one is another children's novel about six sisters who all have Shakespearean names. Even though it's been a few years since I've written that novel, I'm still quite excited about that idea, and I think it is probably worth editing it. At least having a go and see if I can polish it up, make something out of it. But I'm not going to be working on that at the moment. I've got loads of projects I want to do, and what I want to do during Camp Nanorimo is work on this never-ending unschooling book. Yes, I've been working on this for years. I keep telling people that I'm working on it, that I'm going to get it finished, and I guess a lot of people have given up on me. I've almost given up on myself as well. I think this is my make-or-break effort. At the end of July, I will know whether I am going to go forward and actually publish this book, or whether I'm just going to put it to one side and say, "Look, I did my best. I don't think that I want to do it. I don't think it's the right time. I don't think that I've got anything I want to say. Whatever." But who knows? By the end of July, I may have this book in order. I'm not saying it will be at publishing stage. But I hope to have it all there—a proper draft of it, which I can then just go back and polish up. I said to the girls that I would do Camp Nano Rimo unofficially, but oh, they shouted me down. You can't do that, Mum. You have to commit to it. And this is my problem. I think I don't commit to things properly. I guess I want an out. If I change my mind about it, then it's easy to do that. But this time, I'm going to do it properly. Yes, the girls are going to make sure I do. How many words are you going to write, Mum? That was Gemma Rose's question. I don't know. Fifty thousand. We'll see how many it takes. So, if anybody else would like to do Camp Nano Rimo, I hope you will tell me. Maybe we can be writing buddies. You could write a novel from scratch. You could polish up something you have already written. One year, I was going to write a series of blog posts. I was just going to write blog post after blog post after blog post to make my words. 
That's one idea. Other people write poetry. You could work on a piece of non-fiction. Whatever you like, and as many words as you like. It is a good way to get into NaNoWriMo, like a trial run. And if you enjoy Camp NaNoWriMo, you could go on to NaNoWriMo in November. I always have a great sense of achievement when I do something like this. So I have come to the end of my 100th episode. Several episodes ago, I said I was going to call it 100 Unschooling Ideas. But I'm not going to call it that because the idea I had when I said that hasn't come to anything. What I was going to do was extract just one unschooling idea from every single podcast and make a sort of podcast guide. There is more than one unschooling idea in each of my podcasts. Maybe I could do this guide many times over. Maybe this is an idea for the future, though. Maybe I will note it down. And then, when I don't have something to do, (laughs) I can come back to it. I don't know if this episode is any better than the failed one yesterday, but I have certainly felt more excited as I was recording it. I hope you have found this episode interesting. If you would like to leave some feedback, you can do that by coming to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, or hopping over to my Facebook page of the same name. Oh, one last thing I've just remembered. I have made an animated video to celebrate my 100th episode. It is actually an update of a video I'd already made about this podcast. I made it at episode 94. I changed all the colors, changed some of the animations, changed a few of the words, and I am going to publish it again. That will be available on YouTube and Facebook, maybe my blog, once I have published this podcast. So I hope you will go over to one of those places and watch it. It's only a minute or so. I had a lot of fun making it, and I hope you enjoy watching it. So on to episode 101 next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have a wonderful unschooling week. And until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.